Welcome to the 129th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. When Brian Krigler and Caitlin Forster launched Herbal Turtle Farms near the southeast Minnesota community of Winona a few years ago, they did so with what they consider some quote-unquote unfair advantages. They had access to land that Brian's family owns and both have jobs they can work in the off-season, as well as connections to established farmers and food retailers in the region. In addition, when Brian was younger, he was exposed to a variety of enterprises on his family's hobby farm. When Brian took the Land Stewardship Project's Farm Beginnings course in 2008, one of the things the class emphasized was making a list of one's unfair advantages and using that list to figure out what enterprises to focus on when launching a farm business. Today, he and Forster have a thriving, premium shiitake mushroom business and a moderate-sized community-supported agriculture vegetable operation. Their farm is still a part-time business, but the couple is looking forward to the day when they can add more enterprises and possibly move everything to land of their own. I recently visited Brian and Caitlin, and we chatted about those unfair advantages and how they are balancing a wholesale mushroom business with the CSA operation. We had talked a little bit about when you were first looking at starting a farming enterprise. Brian, you had looked at raising herbs on this place here, and then you had done a little bit of research where you had talked to farmers in the area and co-ops and trying was trying to get a sense of what the mar- what there was a market for in the area. And I know one of the things you ended up doing was when you were talking to one of the farm CSA farmers in the area, you you met Kate and and kind of learned about the CSA model, but talk a little bit about that how important that was for you to do that research a little bit and kind of feel out the situation. But you kind of uh, had your mind opened up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty valuable. And luckily, we have a community where there's enough people willing to do that between co-op managers and chefs that I was able to sit down with and other farmers. But I didn't want to jump into the agricultural world uh, in a market that was over really oversaturated already because uh, that doesn't help the farmers that are already here. It certainly doesn't help us. So it was really valuable to sit down and learn about what the what the holes were in the production, what the needs were uh, in the community, and kind of try to base our farm plan around that. And so one of the things you, one of the farmers you talked to was uh, Heather Seacrest, and she does a CSA farm. And so you uh, you learned a little bit about that that model. It sounds like. Yeah, actually, when I talked to Heather, I wasn't at all thinking about becoming a CSA or vegetable farmer even, but she definitely got me pointed in the right direction and actually was the one who introduced me to LSP and introduced me to Farm Beginnings. And coincidentally, Caitlin was uh, working for her a little bit later on, so a lot of connections were made with that one phone call that I'm, glad, I'm really glad I made it. Kate, what you had worked on Heather's farm, and you had a, uh, you, your fam- extended family had been involved in kind of more conventional agriculture, so you always had that interest. But you had talked a little bit earlier about what really attracted you to that CSA model. Yeah, I really just like the diversity of vegetables that you can grow using that model and the connection that you have to all the people that you're growing for. People are so excited about what we're doing out here and really are interested in what happens on a day-to-day basis. And just the fact that they're willing to share in the risk with us is huge. I think another interesting point you guys made was the, I think you called the CSA your, the crop insurance for vegetable farmers, because you kind of have the, 
you're really pushing the marketing and with the mushroom enterprise, the shiitake mushroom enterprise, and that's you know a lot of uh, you, have, you have to put a lot of effort into that. But with the CSA, you were able to you're able to kind of not have to worry about the marketing so much. Yeah, I mean, so we already have a recurring revenue with the mushrooms, uh, and so we have to worry about marketing them, making sure that we have uh, enough to fill our orders without overproducing. And so to not have to do that with a vegetable portion is really great for us to to have a big uh, chunk of money come in at the beginning of the year so we can do things like buy seed, make payments on any capital investments, uh, pay, make have a budget for our workers that are coming out here. Otherwise, I think we would need about four more each of us to be able to manage that whole process. Um, so, you know, our, our members supporting us up front really has, has helped our farm become what it is. So, yeah, when I first looked at getting into the agricultural world, I guess one of my unfair advantages is that my family farm here has, has always been kind of a hobby farm. And we've done everything from uh, geese, chickens, turkey, we've done pheasants, we've done lambs, goats, miniature goats, miniature donkeys, Scottish Highland cattle, apples, bees, vegetable garden, mushrooms, you name it. Um, so I kind of was a renaissance man of hobby farms. So having been exposed to all that, it made it a little easier to kind of decide what to zero in on. Once I was able to get the tools that Farm Beginnings gave me, uh, you know, to, to learn how to do an enterprise budget and to have conversations with, you know, chefs in the area to see what they needed. Um, I already had this whole width of, width of knowledge um, of a, a number of different products. And so it was easier for me to kind of pick one and zero in on it. If you get a chance to go out and work on other farms, I you know, highly recommend doing something like that. One other thing we talked about, Kate, a little bit, I think this is interesting in that you, you know, your kind of your job during the winter that you do, your seasonal job is you you cook at a at a restaurant that uses fresh local ingredients. I would think that would be a real nice thing to be involved with in that you because you're you're raising the food and you kind of see how that food is prepared in a restaurant and what a restaurant owner maybe is looking for, but also what consumers, what people who are eating at these restaurants are are looking for. It sounds like that's been a pretty pretty valuable experience. Yeah, it's been really wonderful to see how chefs like to receive foods, what they want them to look like, what they do with them once they actually get them, um, how to cook everything in a really great way. That's also helpful for the CSA when I'm trying to give out information to help out the members. So working at the restaurant has been fantastic. You guys had talked earlier about with the shiitake mushroom enterprise that uh, you're raising them outside. It's pretty labor intensive. Um, you know, you're doing something like 3,000 logs a year. It inoculate these things. It takes a year for them to start producing. And then once they start producing, you know, you, you're harvesting regularly. You're uh, you're really promoting. You do put a lot of effort into the marketing of them, but you really don't want to take shortcuts. It sounds like quality is a very important part of that that business model for the the shiitake uh, enterprise. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're we we charge a higher premium for our, our mushrooms, uh, and partly because our costs are a little higher being a smaller farm. Uh, but we really want to focus on the quality of the mushroom to make sure that it's justified. You know, a local gourmet chef would want to look at our mushrooms next to, you know, mushrooms shipped in from, say, Oregon or something like that, or China or wherever they're from, and say, this is clearly the superior mushroom, and this is what I wanted to give to my clientele. The other thing is, you know, when we first started the mushroom farm, 
we it was a very niche niche farm there weren't very many in the area uh and we knew that eventually more people would get into it as they saw our success and so we always want to make sure that you know our product is is one of the better products that you can find on the marketplace and so you know for many different reasons it's very important to us to to have something that we can stand behind and be very proud of and uh take to a chef and know that they're going to be excited about it For more on Herbal Turtle Farm, see www.herbalturtlefarms.com. More on LSP's Farm Beginnings program is at www.farmbeginnings.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 